Yes, I'm still on hold. And what was this? I'm looking at your advertisement for the airline promotion and giveaway. I'm yeah, it's hard to understand because it says in addition to, but I can't exactly understand in addition to what because there's actually nothing to add it to. It's a huge monster gorilla that's constantly growing to outlandish proportions, loose in the street. Starring Michael Goff as Dr. Decker, who stole the jungle secrets of sorcery to distill Satan's black magic in his own laboratory. Sport, you are listening to I Saw in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, the Red Herring, Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So Ryan, how is it going? Uh, It's going okay. Uh, I'm thrilled about the way that the Cinema 76 Movie John merger slash Movie John uh, relaunch is going super well. I'm really happy with everything that we're putting out there. So that's that's sort of helping me get through the like winter doldrums, I guess. Um, it's weird because this time of year, I'm usually like full in on following award season. So like we would have had the Golden Globes already. It would have been like I would have been planning my Oscar menu. And so, you know, because usually Sundance is right before the Oscars. At least it has been for the past couple of years. So, right. So I, I feel like it's there's a whole lot of nothing happening right now that I'm like paying attention to in the outside world. Yeah, I I agree. I It's, again... <laughs> Another year that just seems weird, Uh, but I have found it seems that the studios are starting to get into some sort of groove with putting films out at this point and realizing like, hey, we can't hold on to these flicks forever. So I feel like we are starting to get somewhat of a schedule of things that are to come, which is good. I mean, at least from Warner Brothers, I know that um, <clears throat> the James Bond movie got pushed back. The Ghostbusters movie got pushed back. Well, so. I do feel it's the like those bigger ones they are saving for like they want people to have the cinematic experience for. And I don't know, like maybe they saw what happened with Wonder Woman, you know, like I feel because it just kind of got dropped on the platform, there probably were a lot of people that felt, oh, I'll, I'll get around to it eventually. Whereas when it's in the cinema, you kind of have this limited time to go out and see it before it goes away, and then you have to wait. Um, so I, I, I don't know if that's what they're doing, but... Yeah, I do think that ticking clock helps. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm chomping at the bit for either, the, either of those movies, Um Oh no! Like I'm, you I'm perfectly, uh, I'm perfectly content sticking with older, older films. Um, you know. Well, I was now, making, but... I was making fun of you today that you were probably super upset that that Jared Leto movie got pushed to January 2022. Right, Morbius, the Living Vampire, based on the uh, Spider-Man villain. Um, yeah, I mean, on the one hand. Jared Leto is on the 
a small list of actors that I just can't handle. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if you have any, um, like, performers where, like, you just can't, you can't, like, he never stops being Jared Leto, and I never stop wanting to punch him in the face, and it really is distracting, and I feel like the only movie um, of his that he's in for an extended period I guess there's two movies, right? Because Blade Runner 2049, he's in like one scene and I can handle that because that's like a two and a half hour movie and he's in there for like two minutes. And then in Panic Room, I'm okay with it because he plays the kind of person that I almost feel like he is. Not to say that he's a criminal, but just really annoying. Like he has dreadlocks in that movie. <laughs> or not, not dreadlocks, cornrows. <laughs> like I definitely don't seek his pictures out, but he's not he's not somebody that gets under my skin, you know, but he's mm-hmm. also just not somebody that like, Ooh, he has a new movie coming out. I got to see it <laughs> like, now. He and typically, definitely gets under my skin. <laughs> well, and typically when he shows up in a movie, like the one I just viewed last night, which I can safely talk about now on the podcast because the embargo will be lifted by the time this airs in the little things. I will tell you, like, out of everything that was going on in that movie, he was like, his character was like saving the day for me because it was the only like interesting thing that was happening. And like, he is a, definitely an actor I would never want to work with. Like, he seems super frustrating. He gets very into his characters because he does that whole method thing. So. Like I, yeah. method is I enjoy the ridiculousness of him, but I wouldn't say I'm a fan. Yeah, are there any actors that really get under your skin? Yeah, when you asked that, I was thinking like Jason Schwartzman actually <laughs> really bothers me. Like I cannot watch a movie that he is starring in or has like a main part and he works a lot with Wes Anderson. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I have watched many a film with him in it, but he, I don't know. There's just something about him and like his line delivery that gets on my nerves. I can see that. But I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that just really troubles me. Or I see their name and the film immediately goes in the trash. Like, no. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like I feel like I can't review a film that has a major Jared Leto performance in it at this point because I'm going to be biased. Like the film has to win me over. Like I'm not starting sure. from like neutral. I'm starting right. from Jared Leto is gross. <laughs> right, right. Well, so then why don't you share with us a flick? that you actually liked recently. Sure. Uh, I can share with you a flick I actually loved recently uh, that I kind of watched on a whim and um, it really just blew me away. It's uh, The Big Country, which is a 1958 Western from William Wyler uh, that I watched on Criterion Channel. Um, It stars Gregory Peck and Gene Simmons. Uh, Burl Ives won the I believe he won the best supporting actor for this movie and he plays uh, you know one of the like one of the villains it's kind of a 
like generational story about the West and settlers and things. And the description didn't really grab me, but I've been meaning to watch more of William Wyler's movies. And this was leaving Criterion Channel. So, um, you know, I, I put it on. And one, I will say the cinematography in the movie is incredible. Um, and the restoration that Criterion Channel is using, it looks like it was made today. It's like the colors are perfect. Everything is like crystal clear. Um, the movie just looks fantastic. And I think for me, it kind of um, crystallized something I really enjoy about Westerns, which is that like in a Western, most people don't have like jobs. Like <laughs> your job is that you run a ranch. And so but that's like Gregory Peck is like, right. But like, he doesn't have to go to a job. He just wakes up. He's already on his ranch. And he's like, all right, like, we're going to break in this horse today. And then we're going to check out this herd of sheep today. He doesn't have to go to an office. He doesn't have a briefcase. And like, I I don't know. I feel like that's why. He's just living off the land. Right. It's like that sense of like freedom where he like, you know, I imagine he's like drinking a cup of coffee and he's standing in his doorway. He's like, there's mountains in the distance. And he doesn't, again, he doesn't have to be anywhere specific. Like, he can decide what he's going to do that day. Right. You know what my favorite part is about Westerns? Oh, I was asking a question. Yeah, I was waiting for you to answer your own question. (laughs) Okay. My favorite part about Westerns is the saloon. Like, every western they are like day drinking and a lot of the characters like they just don't even waste time with like a beer they're just like no whiskey Mm -hmm. whole bottle now like it's not even a shot it's always like a bottle of whiskey so i always like the saloons and i like that they become just like utter chaos like in mm-hmm. almost every Western, the bar just gets like completely trashed. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, in, in the big country, it's still so new that no one has built a bar from what, from my recollection. Um, but it well, still has that doing? sense of, oh, <laughs> there's still a lot doing? of drinking. Oh, okay. Well, then that's <laughs> fine. Uh, you know, and there's disputes over water rights and things. Um you know, but it, it has that sense of like, you're your own person. And it's, it's the law It like, you know, at one point, um, I think it's probably, I was telling Gregory Peck, like, you know, okay, so someone does something that you don't like, and you think is against the law, it's going to take a sheriff like five days to get here. So like, you just have to handle it yourself. Right. So and I kind of appreciate that, like, you know, all right, I have to, I, I'm, I, I'm, the captain of my own ship. I have to, <laughs> sure. I don't know. It's, there is something appealing about that sense of like emptiness and that you're away from most people and that, you know, you're, it's not that you're isolated because it's hard to get there. It just takes time. And so you're like, well, I could see that person or I could just, you know, read a book. Like, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So is it still on criterion or did it leave already? I think it left at the end of January. Okay. So yeah, I'm sure probably it'll when, pop up. Yeah, when this airs, it'll probably be gone. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like an interesting flick, and I always am up for watching something with Gregory Peck because he's pretty cool. He is great. Uh, so, Rosalie, what have you been watching recently? Yeah, so I wanted to share with everyone. I recently watched the 1963 black and white beauty, Judex. Um, and this is from the same director, and I'm probably going to say his name wrong, um, Georges Frenju. Uh, but he directed Eyes Without a Face, which I don't know if you have seen that, but it's another gem of a picture that I absolutely love. I own the Criterion. Have you seen that one? Uh, I have not, but it is definitely on my watch list. Yeah, it's amazing. And anyway, Judex, though, this was my first time watching it. I also own the Criterion. And the movie is absolutely wild. And to me, it is perfect in every way possible. Probably Ben, my husband, (laughs) disagrees because he felt the story was a bit, like, zany um and didn't really make sense at all times but i loved it there is a lot of outlandish costumes beautiful cinematography and essentially it's telling a story about a i i will use your term ryan vile banker and he receives a threatening letter signed by someone named judex And he hires a detective to help him find out who this mystery person is. And the letter contains information regarding misdeeds and the swindling of money that this vile banker performed. And as for the name Judex, it means in French, judge or upholder of the law. So what I loved about this movie is like you could clearly see that it inspired a lot of like the famed superheroes that we know today because there was clearly a lot of like Batman elements to it. And when I did a little digging, I actually learned that this movie was based on a 12 part serial from 1916 under the same title Judex, which I learned Kino Lorber put out like a a disc collection of that serial, so I purchased it, and I'm really excited to get it in the mail. Um, probably my favorite part of this, though, is there's like an elaborate party scene, and many of the guests are donning like these bird head like masks, but they seriously look like real birds, like somebody made these masks with like feathers and they're just so bizarre. And I don't know, like I, I, you just have to watch it. Like I cannot express just how cool this movie looks. Yeah. The, uh, the screenshots that you posted on Twitter from the movie made me want to check it out. Uh, I love a costume party in movies because I find that costume parties in real life are never as elaborate or interesting in terms of their costumes as right yeah like i'm telling you like after we're done with this pandemic i was like i want to host a party like just like this where people have to wear like strange and like weird masks and like and people were like dressed to the nines at this party like there were tuxes and tails and like ball like ball gowns it was amazing um 
But there's so many twists and turns in the story. So like you think you know where it's going, but then it goes this other way, which was also fun. Um, And there were two things like afterwards when I watched it, I said to Ben, I want to learn about magic. Like I need to learn about magic because I want to perform tricks at parties And then the second thing is there's this lady with like a really cool dagger and now I want to own a dagger because (laughs) I think they're really cool. Um, But, you know, here's something happy to report. It is currently on Criterion Channel. I don't know when it's leaving, but one thing I do love about that service is you do get an email like telling you when things are leaving. So this did not show up on the most recent email I got for January. So I think it's staying on there for a bit. So if you have Criterion Channel, check it out. Yeah, I I do love that that service uh, makes it pretty clear what's leaving. HBO Max also actually has a section for it. that They have like a last chance section, which is nice because they're like the big country. Like I... It had popped up, and then I was looking through what was leaving Criterion Channel at the end of January, and I was like, oh, that's one that I should uh, check out before it goes. So it's, I find it helpful to plan, you know, again, like like we've been talking about, that sense of urgency, um, you know, having that ticking clock being like, oh, no, I have eight days left to watch <laughs> right, this movie, exactly. I, I think sometimes really helps, because uh, otherwise I get paralyzed by how much selection there is, like, The other day I was trying to decide uh, what to put on in the afternoon. Uh, And I was like, I'll sit down, I'll have lunch, I'll start a movie. Um, And then I spent my entire time while eating my lunch scrolling through streaming (laughs) services because I couldn't decide. I've started to like keep a notebook this year of just like each week I update, okay, what are like, what do I want to watch? Because it kind of helps me narrow down things because obviously you're a film critic too so there are some things that you have to watch and you have to watch Mm -hmm. it by a certain time so this kind of helps me you know figure out my schedule I also wanted to mention just one more thing about Judex because this was pretty cool I explored some of the features on the disc and Another thing, again, that I know you love too about Criterion Discs are they put a lot of the director's short films on the Judex disc. And some of those shorts are hard to find Mm -hmm. and they even restored them. So they look great. So like they might, I don't know, they might be out there on YouTube, but, you know, getting them on a Blu-ray is going to look a lot better. So I highly recommend at the next sale, picking a copy up. But again, until then, you can watch it on the channel. Yeah. And, you know, if anyone at Criterion or Criterion Channel is listening, uh, you know, and you want to sponsor the podcast, please, you know, just shoot us a note. We'll, we'll talk. Or, or hey, you want to let me go in that closet? I would love it. <laughs> that is like what, a dream. Don't, I, I can't, I can't talk. I'll, I'll get too emotional if I talk about the Criterion closet. Yeah. But yeah, if you're at Criterion, send us a note. We would gladly come visit. Um, And and even just to say hi. I mean, honestly, we would love to hear from you. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready for this week's question? I am ready. Okay. So this question was a bit odd, um, but here it goes. 
We want Dear... the pod, I just want to say. <laughs> yes. Dear, I saw in a movie. I used to love swapping VHS tapes with my pals. Did you ever do this sort of thing before? Well, I'd like you to experience the fun too. Swap flicks and report back to us listeners. Who knows? If you end up liking it, maybe we can get a VHS pen pal racket going. What do you say? Be kind and rewind. Beta to the max. So something I need to know, Ryan, when you saw this question, were you concerned about what I was going to pick for you? Yes, I was very much worried (laughs) that this was going to be a way for you to make me watch Matilda, which if I ever watch Matilda, I would like to be in the same room with you at the very least. Uh, so I can like I that, see your reactions. Right. I think that would maximize enjoyment for both of us. I think that would get the most out of it. So I was a little concerned that you were going to throw Matilda my way. But um, I wanted you to talk first about the movie you picked for me because you said there was a story behind it that you wanted to tell. Oh, yes. So I selected Punch Drunk Love for you because when I was going through your letterbox, I was surprised that you had not seen it yet. And it's one of my favorite films from Paul Thomas Anderson. And it's partly because of the story. I I vividly remember the first time that I saw this movie. I was with my cousin and I was probably around 18 or 19. And my cousin was my best friend growing up in childhood, we did everything together and we didn't live that far apart. So we used to go to like a lot of punk rock shows together, have sleepovers. Um, We were just always hanging out, but we used to go rent videotapes together at Blockbuster. And we would always try to seek out and select obscure films that were on the shelf. So like one time we rented The Boy with Green Hair And this was rented based on like the cover had this kid with like green hair and he was staring into a mirror. And then on the back, it said something like the one day a boy wakes up and he has green hair. And we were like, we need to see this. Like we're renting it. And it was like, you know, in like the cult section or whatever. Um, But with Punch Drunk Love, we picked it kind of in a similar way manner i i recall us going to the video store and there was only like two copies of it and it had adam sandler on it and we were just like wait a minute like why is there only two copies of this movie but adam sandler's in it because at the time like he was extremely popular because this Mm -hmm. was like 2002 and so we figured like all right let's let's try this out and when we watched it i will tell you we were both like what the heck is this movie because like neither of us were really into watching at the time like already like independent films like I'm not saying that we didn't like it but we were just like what is this like how did someone how are they allowed to make it like we were just kind of enthralled with it mm-hmm. and this was really a time too. like I was not very into film at this moment like I really didn't get into movies till I went to college because college was like the first time that I actually had free time because up until that point, I was working for my family. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my time was spent 
working at their farmer's market. And when I went to college, it was the first time that I could like explore things and I had time to find my interests. And when I really started learning about film, I would say like Punch Drunk Love was one of the first films that kind of opened the door like, oh, there's kind of like this weird, interesting part to film. And it's not all just these like Hollywood, big budget, bloated things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie has always meant a lot to me. And I don't know. I'm excited to hear what you thought about it. Yeah. And and I really appreciate that context because I feel like if I saw this movie under similar circumstances, it would definitely have totally changed the way that I watched it. I mean, even if I had seen it, I was 16 when this came out. And I was definitely in that phase of like, I certainly liked movies. I was very much in my like, um, I don't even want to say like punk rock, but I was like, oh, like arty movies for the sake of being art are like dumb. Like, you know, and I remember, like, I remember seeing the trailer for this a lot and then like reading good reviews, but like I knew a couple people at school that had seen it and like hated it because they were like, oh, it's, it's like, not that I was even that big of an Adam Sandler fan. Like I had certainly seen, you know, Happy Gilmore and The Water Boy. Um, sure. And like, he's never been a favorite of mine. So like, it wasn't like, oh, I need to see him do something different or whatever. And I don't even think I realized that this was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson until much later. Like, you know, I like I didn't really see any of his. I think The Master might be the first movie of his that I even saw. Or no, I'd seen um, uh, There Will Be Blood. Okay. Um, and I like that movie. I think it's very good. The Master, very good. Um, it wasn't until Inherent Vice and Phantom Thread where I was like, oh, maybe I do really like Paul Thomas Anderson. So I think seeing this movie as a Paul Thomas Anderson movie and not coming to it from the like, oh, this is a weird movie that I discovered. I think that I think that is, you know, that's very much a part of my perspective versus like your perspective when you first saw it, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. Because when we found this movie, we were telling everyone about it. We were like, we are hip and cool and we watch movies that no one's heard of. Like I mean, that, yeah. that was our, I mean, it was kind of the same way we were about music at the time mm-hmm. too. We used to go to a lot of these shows that were like in like VFW buildings and like basements. And so we were all about like, we know about this stuff before it's cool, you know? So I think that was definitely a huge part of it. But now as an adult, for me watching the film, I just am always in awe of the performance that Paul Thomas Anderson got out of Adam Sandler. Right. And and that's, I definitely have movies like this in my life. You know, I spent a good number of, of time, a good amount of time in college recommending I Heart Huckabees to people. Um, sure. Which is a movie that I, I still really have a lot of fondness for, even though I haven't seen it in many years. Um you know, I've been on the Joes and the Pussycats bandwagon since it was out in theaters. So, like, I definitely have movies like this where I'm like, no, you don't know about this movie, but I'm going to tell you about it and you're going to think I'm cool because I'm recommending it 
not even in like a posturing way, but just in like, I'm legitimately excited to share something that I feel like other people don't know about. Right. Um, and I'm also watching this after Uncut Gems, which has an amazing Adam Sandler performance in it. It does. Um, yeah. So all that being said, I really do like this movie and I really like the sound design because like I'm a person that has anxiety uh, especially when I was younger I was prone to angry outbursts even though I've never bro- I've never thrown a hammer through a sliding glass door but I've been tempted <laughs> um, well, okay but seriously those sisters they're a bit much they are I, I'll, I'll get to them um, <laughs> but I want to say first I really like that the sound design makes you feel what Adam Sandler's character is going through, like what his mental state is, because there's a lot of like, almost like arrhythmic, like pings and things that like made me feel anxious while watching it in the scenes where he's feeling anxious. And then in some of the love scenes, there's like almost like a sweeping, like Max Steiner, very old school Hollywood score as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, And so like, that's probably my favorite thing is like, the way that Paul Thomas Anderson uses music and sound design to convey Adam Sandler's state of mind in the movie is just absolutely amazing. It's like one of like that alone is worth recommending the movie for. And the other thing is I like that we never get like Barry never really opens up and says, this is why I think I'm like, I'm the way that I am. Mm -hmm. But through interacting with his sisters you totally understand why he is the way that he is because they nag on him incessantly about everything, especially stuff yes. that happened years and years ago. And that's how I feel whenever I'm with like family I haven't seen in a while. It's always like, oh, remember when you like uh, when you threw up when we were at the fair because it was hot out and you got sick after you went on those rides? And it's like, oh my I God. was six. Well, that is my, so that's my uncles because my mom, my mom has four brothers and two of them in particular are like ones that I spent basically my entire childhood with till I went to college. And if they know about something that happened to me in the past, they bring it up. And I am now 38 years old and they talk about things that happened in like middle school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, move on. It's like, I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> no. They, and, and one of the things they love to like ask me about are my like eating habits. Cause I, for a long time, or actually like around the same time of finding this movie, I was a vegan and they like did not understand that. So it like it's always just wait, what do you eat again? Like <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, it's not that hard. And now I'm a vegetarian, so it's even easier. Like I eat anything that's not living. <laughs> right. But they they will bring this up and it it's just very frustrating. So I too understood his interactions with the sisters and the anxiety that they brought to him. 
Yeah, so I I really like the, that aspect of the movie. I was a little less sold on the love story, but I think I think that's in part for some of the reasons that we were saying in terms of like, you know, having coming to this as a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, coming to it as an Adam Sandler performance, and then you know having seen a lot of movies about middle aged white dudes who haven't grown up yet, like, you know, I feel like when this came out, we hadn't gotten you know. Uh, the films of Judd Apatow yet. Yeah, I I actually love the love story in it. Uh, but I don't know. It's also because I love when they're in Hawaii and I love Hawaii mm-hmm. so much uh, that, well, and it's funny because when I watched the movie at the, at the first time, I had never been to Hawaii. But I've always been fascinated with it. And Mm -hmm. I still remember when I told Ben, I was like, I really want to go to Hawaii. And this was like right after we got married. And he was just like, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford that. Like, that's going to be really expensive. And using like my Google sleuthing, I found a deal online and I was like, Ben, I found this deal. We can afford it. And we ended up going there for two weeks and it was just so magical. And the whole time I was there, I was thinking about this movie and just like Hawaii is a place that you just never want to leave. You just want to stay there forever. But then like the problem is when you really start to think about it and process it, you're like, but where would I work? And like, how would I see my friends? Because you're literally on an island. Mm-hmm. So like you're just floating in the ocean. So it's not like, oh, I can just like drive, you know, back to the right. States. You'd have to like take a boat or fly. And that's just like, it's all just like ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've never been to Hawaii uh but as soon as Hawaii came up with this, in this movie, I thought of you because I was like, oh, I wonder if this is why Rosalie loves Hawaii so much. <laughs> I mean, it's part of it. I, I've i just always been fascinated with it. Um, but especially after going there, it just made my love of it even stronger. I got severely actually sad and depressed when we came home. Especially like the plane ride into Philly, I like looked out the window and I'm like, it's just so gross here. Like everything is gross because everything in Hawaii is so colorful and lush and beautiful. And then like you fly into Philly and it's like, oh, smokestacks and like burning like tires. It's just like this place is disgusting. The the view on the flights in Philly is not flattering by any means. Uh, no matter where you're coming from, it doesn't matter. You'll you'll get the worst view of our water treatment plant um, and our natural gas refineries. Um, yeah, so so like I said, I very much enjoyed Punch Drunk Love. I I want to watch it again at some point because I think I find with Paul Thomas Anderson, I have to see his movies more than once to like get the full appreciation out of them. And this is one that I definitely will want to go back to, especially also it. it it's nice that it's shorter than uh, most of his other movies. <laughs> uh, so it's like an easy thing to pop on on like a weeknight. Yeah. Because you're not I, committing to like three hours. 
I definitely agree with that sentiment. You know, like the master was like that for me. I I saw the master in the theater and I remember leaving very annoyed. I was just like, what was that? And then rewatched it a couple years later and loved it. And I think, you know, maybe when I initially went into it, I just didn't know what I was walking into. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not a person that watches trailers and things. So oftentimes I do try to go into the movie cold, especially if it's a director that I really like and respect or, or just admire. I, I try to just walk in completely cold, knowing nothing. I mean, sometimes you see trailers because, well, especially during theater days, you know, you're kind of, you're there. There's nowhere to run. You have to watch it. But with certain films or directors, I do try to like avoid any sort of spoiler beforehand. But yeah, I agree. You do have to watch his movies sometimes multiple times to like really take it all in. Yeah, and I, w- I will say just definitively that Punch Drunk Love does a lot of things that Charlie Kaufman's I'm thinking of ending things does but i think does them better oh i didn't even think of that uh and i can't even tell you when i'm gonna be up for watching i'm thinking of ending things again (laughs) i mean i didn't hate that movie if my life goes well i will never watch that movie again well see i didn't hate it uh but it was one of those movies that i have to have the stamina for and Mm -hmm. I found, you know, in watching it, it was exhausting because of the amount of thinking I was doing, which isn't a bad thing, but it's not something I'm going to pop on after work. <laughs> right. I will say that's a movie that I, w- I don't disagree that it requires some thinking. I don't think that it ever justified the amount of thinking it requires. <laughs> right. I, I know your feeling on it. <laughs> I like I I definitely liked the weirdness to it but i totally understand what you mean um the weirdness wasn't my problem it was the the i didn't i just wasn't into the main character because it was like oh i feel like i understand i'd like this person just feels like a cliche mm. but Fair i like enough. jesse buckley's performance and i like the i like tony collette's performance like there's things i liked in the movie but not enough to go back so, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, long story short, thank you for uh, finally making me watch Punch Drunk Love because I enjoyed yes. it, and um, I I would like to own one of those like fun plungers that uh, Adam Sandler is selling in the movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is just really random. Um... Uh, it is. It is random, but I I definitely enjoy it. Um, so the movie that I recommended to you, um, was a movie that I saw the trailer at the Mahoning more than once. Oh, I believe, really? Like, yeah, the trailer for this movie, I feel like exhumed. It's, it must be one of their favorites. Okay. Um, and after I saw it, I was like, I need to track this movie down because <laughs> one of the lines in the trailer is. 
there's a huge monster gorilla that's constantly growing to outlandish proportions loose in the streets. Right. And it's delivered in a British accent. And I was like, yes, I will watch Conga. And so that's why <laughs> I recommended it to you because this movie is wild. And I was like, I th- feel like Rosalie will appreciate this. So tell me what you thought of Conga. Yeah. So in reading the synopsis of this movie before I even watched it, I had this total feeling like this was going to be right up my alley because I'm into this kind of sci-fi stuff. Um, But for those that have not seen, which surprisingly is like a super colorful and lush thriller. Like Mm -hmm. I was surprised like how colorful it was because oftentimes like you watch these types of, you know, science fiction type stuff and they don't look that great. But, like, this has, like, a lot of great colors in it. Um, But it tells the story of Dr. Decker, a guy that after a year of being presumed dead, returns to London from his expedition with a small chimpanzee that he claims saved his life. And he is obsessed with this chimp. Like, he loves it like a son. And while on his adventure in Africa with the chimp he discovered these plants and animals that have grown to like ginormous proportions and so he brought samples back with him and then he uses the samples to create like a serum of sorts and he utilizes the chimp to test the serum and names the chimp conga and as conga gets larger and larger And with the magic of hypnosis, he utilizes him to do his bidding, which is essentially meaning he has him snap necks and crush skulls, which is exact words from the film. (laughs) Like he tells Kanga that he wants him to snap necks and crush skulls. And I think that is awesome. (laughs) Well, and... I mean, and it's in the service of his pursuit of his college co-ed students. We'll get to that piece. <laughs> that <laughs> was disturbing. But I, I it's do, also I do want to in... say... Go ahead. I was going to say, I do want to say real quick is that the trailer is mostly from the last, like, you know, 10 minutes of the movie. Like, it's all oh, giant, sure. giant ape. And so discovering <laughs> the carnivorous plants, the lustful professor, all of those are delights that I did not know going into the film. Oh, okay. Okay. Because see, I didn't watch the trailer. So I didn't know that. But also, like, little conga, I would die for a little conga. <laughs> It is the most precious little chimp you've ever seen. I actually don't like when he makes Conga bigger. (laughs) Like I like him small because I feel like you could take him more places then and like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to take him to the grocery store and I'm going to put a little bonnet on him. Like, I don't know. But when he's big, I'm like, ugh. Also, like, too, like, when it gets, when Conga gets bigger and bigger, it just, he becomes more unruly. Whereas, like, if he's small, you can contain him. Like, what do you think? 
Like, did you like as he got bigger and bigger? I like that he got bigger, if only because my love of things getting bigger <laughs> is just very strong. Like, I just enjoy the idea of, it's not that like, oh, it like the amount of steps required in the film of like, I just came back from the jungle. I brought with me this chimp, also these plants. The plants keep growing. I'm going to inject the serum into the chimp. The chimp also somehow becomes a gorilla. Like the <laughs> Right. Um, but I liked I, I was very fond of when Congo was like gorilla suit size, like when he was like as as big as the professor. Like Yeah, yeah. And I kinda wish that he would have dressed Conga. Like that would have <laughs> added to it for me. But mm-hmm. I did want to say, like, this is by no means perfect cinema. You know, but I do have quite a number of like what I created a list of precious moments from this film, and I wanted to share them with you. Yes, please. And then as I share them, like if you want to comment, so be it. But one thing that's so fascinating is the doctor, Charles Becker, is played by Alfred. Mm-hmm. as in Alfred of the Tim Burton franchise and Batman Forever, that thing. <laughs> but additionally, I don't know if you know this, but this actor is also in another favorite feature of mine where he acts alongside of Joan Crawford in her last feature film, Trog. I have not seen Trog. Oh my God. If you like Conga, Trog would be like in your wheelhouse like trog they like end up finding this like weird creature in the caves and then essentially like joan tries to domesticate trog and it's wild it's like really weird i feel like michael goff is the guy that you cast and you're like vincent price would be too outlandish like we need to rein it in just a little bit (laughs) yeah he actually plays like I believe, like, a fellow scientist, but he's, like, against domesticating Trog because he has, like, feelings Trog is very violent. Um, But, yeah, you should seek that out. So that was one moment that I liked. Another thing was that there's, like, this weird relationship with the doctor, Conga, and Margaret. Margaret is the doctor's assistant, housekeeper, secretary, soon-to-be wife. And, like, the entire relationship is so unhealthy, but I loved watching it. Like, it's just absolutely wild and strange. I did not like how the doctor treated Margaret, but, like, also she just, like, kept going along with it, which was also bothersome to me. Like, I don't know how you felt about that whole thing. I thought it was very interesting that she was just sort of mostly okay with everything. Like I, I don't know. I really enjoyed that actress's performance. Also, she's only apparently been in three movies, including. Really? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Cause yeah, she was really great in it. The character was Um, just odd. Like I did not understand. Her sarcasm. I just, I very much enjoyed and, and yes. she has what I think is your favorite line in the movie. Yes, which I will get to. Um, 
I wanted to tease it. <laughs> but also, another precious moment, the plants. The plants are really something in this movie. They like, they eat chunks of meat. And I knew right away, like, that was going to be problematic. You know, they're eating <laughs> raw meat. But I was, like, very excited to see how that would play out. But I'm assuming that they were puppets, the plants. Because they didn't, like, they were, like, moving. And there was free motion. Like, they had to be plant or puppets. Like, don't you think? I assume that they're puppets. Again, based on, just based on the way that they were moving. And I like that, again, like, they were, it was, it, they're, like, detail. But the very. fact that they eat. Not just meat, but it's like raw red meat. Yes. Like there's blood. Yes. On the plate that he's serving them from. It was very bizarre. Uh, I also enjoyed his laboratory. It was very fun. And Mm -hmm. I was once again reminded that I need a Bunsen burner, which I've been telling Ben. Yes. I need a Bunsen burner. Uh. Also, okay, so here we're getting more into like when Kanga gets larger. Once he gets larger and can lift human beings, I love when he looks at them like ice cream cones. Yes. Like he just kind of stares at them and he's like, oh, it's like an ice cream. And it's that was breathtaking, frankly. Um, but now to go back to what you were teasing. This film has one of the most perfect lines that was ever written and recorded in a film. And I quote, what are you having with your poached egg? Murder? Beautiful line. <laughs> and Margaret delivers it. So she perfect. Does. Um, when she, I was deciding yeah. what to recommend you, and I was going back to Letterboxd, and I was like, what hasn't Rosalie seen? And I reread my review and I quoted that line at the end of it. And I was like, well, clearly this is the answer. (laughs) Conga is the answer. Yeah. I mean, the way she delivers it too, like it had me howling. I, I was, I loved it. I'm so glad. My favorite character though, besides Conga was Bob's kid brother, Eric. Now Bob is the boyfriend of the, girl her name is Sandra that the doctor is lusting after and that whole storyline was gross to me very gross because like the professor you'd have to say he's like 50 something yeah I mean Charles Gov is one of those people who I'm barely convinced was born an old man like right because he's old obviously when he's playing Alfred and this is like you know 15 years before that at least and he's still very old yeah, and he's like lusting after one of his students who's probably like 17. And it's just very strange and weird. But Bob um is the boyfriend and at one point during the movie you see like Bob having dinner with his family and his kid brother Eric. I loved that little kid. Like I absolutely loved him. And you got to watch the movie to understand, but the kid knows what he's speaking. Yeah. He's like a little adult. Yeah. Uh, But the last thing I want to mention about precious moments from Conga is 
Ryan, this is a doll movie. Like, it is seriously a doll movie. And I'm not going to reveal the extraordinary moment in which it is realized that it is a doll movie. But my God, it's exquisite. Like, it was just a perfect doll movie. I loved it. And I, uh, the, and it, go ahead. I was going to say, the other thing I want to mention that I think people who haven't seen Conga should keep in mind is that this is a British monster movie. And so yes. you have a lot of these actors who can deliver ridiculous dialogue and like sell it in the way that like Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing can sell it. Right. But I feel like Americans often can't. And I think that adds to the, just the allure of the whole thing. Yeah, I honestly, I applaud you. This was an amazing selection. And for those who do want to watch it, I caught it on Amazon Prime. And so it's streaming there, you know, so if you have an account, I don't, I don't know how you originally watched it. I think it popped up on TCM one time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what, was there a host intro? I don't remember because this is last yeah. summer. Okay. Um, I don't remember there being one. But if it was, it, it wasn't Ben Mankiewicz or Alicia Malone. It was the other guy who shows up all the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, but I don't know. I didn't research further to like see if there was a DVD or a physical copy, but it is on Prime. So you can just pull it up there, which I will say. So I'll be honest. I don't have a Prime account. We get it from other sources. But I'm always shocked to like see the things that are on Prime. They have a lot of very eclectic films like like i'd love to know who's buying this stuff or buying you know buying the licensing or the rights or what have you because they do get just a lot of obscure stuff on there yeah I, i will say of all the streaming services uh prime is probably the one that does have the most surprises and the most mm-hmm. you know if you just if you dig deep enough you'll find strange things it, it feels like sort of like diving into like the back wall of a video store where like this is this is all the things that we have that we don't even know that we have right Mm -hmm. yeah and for those that don't know about the existence of justwatch.com that's how I often find where things are streaming online it's a great resource and again it's justwatch.com but it will pull up any streaming service that has a particular movie. So if you search a movie, it'll show you like, oh, it's on Netflix or it's on Criterion. And what's also really cool is that you can switch the country. So if you're in Canada, you can switch it and then you can see what's, you know, streaming services. It's showing up there. I don't know if you use that, Ryan, but I find it very helpful. Yeah, Just Watch is very essential uh, for me. I also, because I'm a a pro or patron on Letterboxd, uh, you can actually, they use Just Watch to power their similar yeah. service. Um, and if you are a paying Letterboxd member, you can go into your account and, and say, oh, I have Criterion, I have access to Prime, I have access to Netflix, you know, whatever your services are. And it'll only show those services unless you like click deeper. Yep. 
Yeah, I love Letterboxd. And they recently started this thing. I don't know if it's new, but they send me emails mm-hmm. when That's something new, yeah. pops up on my watch list. I love that because I have a lot of obscure things on my watch list. And so now they've started sending you an email like, hey, this just came up on TCM so you can watch it, uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I really enjoyed conga it would be something i'd love to see at the drive-in right it's a it would be a perfect drive-in movie i have some exciting news about conga for you oh my gosh uh it was recently remastered in 2k and kino lorber has put it out on blu-ray awesome i love kino lorber like they're great yeah they put out so many weird obscure things so i will definitely be picking conga up because yeah it was a lot of fun yeah and if anybody out there works for kino lorber same offers criterion (laughs) we're not playing favorites but we, we we love you guys as well we're big kino lorber fans on this podcast agreed um so i do think though I'm glad our listener wrote about this because I do think swapping is a lot of fun. And I don't know. I want to figure out some way to do like a swap. And I don't know. We can maybe plot and plan that. But I would be up to do it again. It was a lot of fun. So would I. Cool. So before we sign off... Don't forget that you can find a breakdown of the episodes on moviejohn.com, where you can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine. And our first issue of 2021 will celebrate and feature the use of color in film. Don't let the gray days of winter get you down. Get lost in the brilliant hues of Movie John's winter issue. Available for pre-order now at moviejohn.com shop. You can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw in a Movie. And if you're seeking advice, send us your questions to dear I Saw in a Movie at gmail.com. Also, for those who enjoy snail mail or postal mail, you can write to us at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145, Attention Movie John. And Ryan, where can people find you? Sure. Uh, you can find me writing uh, on moviejohn.com and in the pages of the upcoming issue of Movie John. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Silver Whatever. And you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at Bonjour Old Sport. Also check out my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. Also, because I don't believe in sleeping, I am starting another podcast with my film pal and best friend forever, Katie McBrown, called Best Friends Forever Pod. And each episode, we invite you to our slumber party and gab about a flick that features our favorite heartthrob. Find both of these shows wherever you catch your pods or download at moviejohn.com. And Ryan, do you have a piece of advice for our listeners from Punch Drunk Love? Sure. I I have two things that I want to share. Um, One is, um, they're both quotes from Barry Egan, 
Adam Sandler's character. And one of them spoke to me on a very deep level because I identify strongly with it. And the other one is more of a piece of advice, I would say. So the first one is, he says, I don't know if there's anything wrong with me because I don't know how other people are. And I don't know about you, but I feel that way often where I'm just like, I wonder what it's like to be a different person than me and not have to deal with the anxiety and things I obsess over. Because I feel like people who are less self-aware are maybe happier. And I just would love to just know what that's like for a day. You know, it's funny. I used to kind of feel like that, but I feel as I get older, I'm very happy with who I am. But it's taken me a long time to get there, you know? I, I, I feel better today than I did five years ago, than I did five right. years before that. So it's it's a good trend, but I it's been a journey. Oh, definitely. And yeah, I don't necessarily, like there's certain things about me that when I was younger, I guess I wish that I could change. And now I almost embrace it. That I'm like, oh no, I like being a little strange. <laughs> and weird but I understand what you mean uh there's sometimes where I feel like I I wish that I didn't get so anxious about things but it's also just part of who I am so I don't know I'd probably be completely different then well I know that that's the right outlook even if I don't often feel Mm -hmm. that's the right outlook you know what I mean right Um, And the other thing I wanted to share is more of a piece of advice, uh, because I think when you're being hassled by somebody saying, that's that mattress man is just an excellent retort. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned mattress man, because that's like one of my favorite things. And sometimes when I'm talking to Ben, you know, and he does it too. We're just like, that's that. Because it's great. It's great, which I feel then my piece of advice from Conga is like absolutely perfect based on what you just said, because mine comes compliments of Bob's father when he says, as the Americans say, play it cool. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Which made me laugh so much because I was just like, yep, let's all just have ice cream and stay cool. (laughs) Um, but yeah Conga's great Punch Drunk Love is great you should watch them both Um, a very strange double feature but well worth your time yes (laughs) so send us your questions and until then thanks for listening and until next time remember for every question there is a movie with the answer goodbye bye bye